Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on July 28th, 2022 from my mother's house in Silver Spring, Maryland. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. In this special episode, we're focusing on the topic of gun violence and reform in South Carolina. The issue is the focus of the quarterly Palmetto Perspective show that SCETV produces and is hosted by South Carolina Public Radio's Felicia Eady. The hour-long show aired last week and looked at how to tackle gun violence, what common sense gun reforms would look like, and the importance of community in dealing with such persistent problems. The four-person panel included Fifth Circuit solicitor Brian Gibson, Hopkins Democratic Representative Jermaine Johnson, Bishop Eric Davis, founder and pastor at Word of God Ministries, and Cassie Aliyah Ray of Serve and Connect, a nonprofit focused on fostering positive change through sustainable police and community partnerships. I'm going to bring you some key parts of the discussion, which followed about a three-minute opening package that I put together, highlighting just some of the major shootings that have occurred this year alone and reactions to them. You'll hear some news reports as well as some familiar voices, such as Sheriff Leon Lott of Richmond County and Senator Dick Harpulian toward the end. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention ranked South Carolina 17th in the nation for the number of people who died by a gun in 2020. Cut to the first six months of 2022, and there's already been a string of mass shootings in our state. Tonight, police say three armed persons of interest are in custody after a mass shooting at this Columbia, South Carolina mall left 12 people injured. Authorities say 10 were shot. Two more victims were hurt during a stampede, according to police, who say no one was killed. I need a uh, medical proof. Police say the first 911 call came in just after 2 p.m. today. Someone hearing gunfire near the gap at Columbiana Center Mall. We begin our news coverage tonight with another mass shooting in South Carolina, this time in Hampton County, where at least nine people were shot early this morning. We've learned that this happened about 30 mile minutes north of Hardyville in Furman. Our Andy Cole spoke with witnesses and the lounge's owner. I'm here at Cara's Lounge in Hampton County, South Carolina, where overnight nine people were shot, making this the site of the second mass shooting in South Carolina in just 24 hours. Days before, gunshots rang out near a Little League game in North Charleston, leading to a frightening scene, but luckily no one was injured. In the span of less than 15 hours, Newberry police are investigating the deaths of four teenagers who were all shot in the Y Street community. The first shooting was Sunday, just after midnight. The victim, a 16-year-old. Then, around 3 p.m., three more teens were shot and killed. Newberry Police Chief Kevin Goodman says the victims were between the ages of 15 to 19. The first thing to realize is it's not a law enforcement problem. This is a community problem. Until we address it as a community, we're going to continue to have this. We just got young people uh, who think a gun is the answer to anything, everything they have, any problem they have, any disrespect they get. Conflict resolution uh, doesn't exist with them except with a gun. And so we got to change the minds and the hearts of our young people and let them know a gun's going to get them one or two places, a cemetery or in prison. The shootings led to calls for common-sense bipartisan reforms from state lawmakers in the final weeks of the 2022 legislative session. No major gun legislation has passed the state house since the open carry with training law last year. Carrying an unlawful weapon carries up to one year and up to $1,000. Many, many of these charges end up being reduced in some sort of city or municipal court or put in pretrial intervention or deferred in some way. 
uh, and no one ever faces the consequences of carrying a gun illegally. Now, if you get a permit, you can carry it anywhere. If you get a permit, you can strap it on and, and carry it, open carry it. But if we don't do something to stop this, these weapons being carried, primarily by kids. I mean, we up in the upstate, we had a 12-year-old shoot a 12-year-old. A 12-year-old shoot a 12-year-old, murder him. The easy accessibility to, to, to guns by these young people, mostly, and their ability to carry them or feel like they can carry them anywhere is killing us and them. Lawmakers are expected to push for unlawful possession changes next year, while others push to loosen current laws. Solicitor Brian Gibson said that reforming the unlawful possession law would be a significant step forward. I mean, I think it starts with the carrying of pistols. I think that if the, um, just, and it starts from, you know, the county level, the city level, those areas, if, if um, and, and through legislation, mm -hmm. if legislation is in place that penalizes um, folks who are carrying weapons unlawfully and properly and who do it multiple times through kind of what we call a graduated system. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I mean uh, first offense, second offense, third offense. Um, so for instance, uh, if you shoplift one time, that's shoplifting first. If you're convicted and you do it a second time, it becomes a second offense. And therefore, from there on, it, it gets more, um, it, the, the penalty is higher each time. That's the same for DUI, that's the same for domestic violence, that's the same for driving um, you know, without a license, but that doesn't exist for gun laws. So if you have a graduated offense, which means anytime you're convicted, the penalty is more harsh, then that's when you start to have more of a deterrent effect and people begin to understand, hey, I can't do this each time because there's gonna be a harsher penalty every time I do it. And without that, then you, you essentially have a law that doesn't have that much, um, uh, there, there's not much punch to it, there aren't many mm -hmm. teeth to it because it's always going to be the same sentence and there's never a more um, harsh sentence. And um, you'll see that oftentimes courts are less likely to sentence somebody to jail on something like that because it's nonviolent. Uh, there's a fine that, uh, can, 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 uh, that is generated and uh, very few people get um, sentenced to jail that I've seen in my 20 plus years of practicing for unlawful carrying of a pistol. Hopkins Representative Jermaine Johnson has been affected by gun violence personally and has introduced legislation to crack down on lax gun owners who don't properly secure their weapons. He also said parents need to be involved in their children's lives and take responsibility for the crisis that is affecting teenagers. I think we also have to uh, take the time to sit down and explain to people what laws we do have in South Carolina and what laws we don't have. Because every time that I mention the fact that, hey, there's no law in South Carolina that says you have to report your gun stolen, even the strong Second Amendment you know, uh, individuals, they're like, wow, there's no law that says that? They say, that should probably be a law. Even those individuals, you know, they agree with what I'm saying that, hey, we need to put a law there at least to mandate you to report your gun stolen if your gun is stolen. So I definitely think we have to reframe the conversation. We got to get people to understanding the, the, the health issue that we're dealing with because people and young people are losing their lives. You know, and right now, you know, we have to figure out a way to hold the parents accountable for what these children are doing. Because we, just like we were just talking about here, when there's young people out here killing each other, you know, nobody's being held accountable for this. You know, nobody's being held accountable for these children being out three, four o'clock in the morning, checking your car doors, looking for guns that are being negatively stored in your car. So I, I think we have to uh, be able to get people to stop saying them, they over there and say, we, we need to do something and get a collective buy-in. And I think we can change some things. Bishop Eric Davis spoke about his plan to make changes at the street level through programs that involve empathy by using former gang members to reach out to a new generation in hopes of stopping a cycle of violence. Well, I said that at the meeting that if we're going to affect change, it has to begin in the places where a lot of the violence arises from. 
And in order to do that, you have to find the influencers, the leaders, the people who can have impact in that community. So we were able to pull together what we're now calling street ambassadors. They were uh, our former gang members slash leaders that have chosen to be advocates for change. And, uh, you know, first of all, we had to broker relationship and peace among them. Um, they've known each other for years. You know, I was, you know, I was amazed to find out when they were much younger, they were some of the most violent people in the community. And so as a result, they have tremendous influence because they've been kind of, you know, made heroes in, in those types of atmospheres and communities. So to see those former heroes who were agents for the wrong uh, atmosphere now come back and become advocates for change has been tremendously important. And for two months, we had no gun violence among the gangs in the community, no shootings, no killings in the high communities because these ambassadors are able to do what I can't do as a pastor, what uh, the police chief nor sheriff any deputy can do. They can go right in and have direct influence by virtue of who they are. And it was impactful until this week mm -hmm. when we were battling with county council who did not see it as the emergency that we saw it as in the sheriff saw it as in May 26 when he called an emergency press conference saying that we were losing a generation of, of, of young people following their press conference. We held ours the week after um, because this group had emerged on May 4th and the process began. They were going into communities and we wanted the community to know why we saw such a sudden change, why we saw such a sudden change because of the groundwork that they were doing, hoping that the broader community would put as much value on the work that um, they were doing as we did, but that wasn't the case. And as a result, as, as Representative just said, we lost a 17-year-old or so last night what is presumed to have been a gang shooting. Representative Johnson, whose brother was killed by gun violence when he was younger, talks about the divisive legislative environment that he says is prohibiting any movement on gun reform legislation in the state house. And he also shared a story of recent gun violence that he witnessed up close and tried to mitigate. Because the Republicans do control the House and the Senate, if they wanted to change something, they could do it. They do not need my vote to change it. They don't need any of my colleagues' votes to change it. If they wanted to change something, they could change it with a stroke of a pen right now. You know, we see how quickly they, you know, brought up uh, the abortion laws and they, 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 how quickly we brought up some of those things, how, how these things were signed into law. You know, we could do the same thing with gun laws. We could do the exact same thing, but there's just no sense of urgency right now because a lot of times things have to come laying at your doorstep before you take it serious. You know, and they, and unfortunately, these things have been laying at my doorstep. You know, I was sitting outside of a Little Caesars uh, not too long ago, and all of a sudden I hear about 20 gunshots just, you know, ring out, uh, you know, right next to my car. And the shooter runs past the front of my car. You know, I get out of my car looking to see what's going on, and there's a guy running through the street who had just been shot. And I'm, I run into the middle of the street trying to help this guy who's bleeding down his leg, you know, and I'm trying to get him to calm down, but he's in shock at this moment. And we get the police come out there, the ambulance, and I'm trying to talk him out of, you know, retaliating uh, and doing these things. And uh, what happens is, you know, the guy calls me the next day, says, you know, he's, thank you so much for trying to help me. I apologize for, you know, being out of sorts and everything like that. Uh, he says, I'm going to cooperate. He cooperates. They arrest the guy. And two weeks later, the guy's let out. So we have all these situations where you tell these, these young men not to retaliate, you tell them to, to do the right thing, they do the right thing, and then now they're snitches, they can't go back to their neighborhood because now they have a target on the back and the guy who just shot him is let out in the, the next week. 
So what type of alternatives are we giving these people to actually do the right thing and cooperate with law enforcement? But other reforms, such as so-called red flag laws, which allow family members or law enforcement to petition the court to temporarily prevent a person who is in crisis from accessing guns, would be difficult to pass in the state, which still hasn't enacted any expanded background check mandates after the system failed to flag Charleston shooter Dylan Roof, who killed nine black parishioners at Mother Emanuel Church in June 2015, including State Senator Clemente Pinckney. I'm a believer in the Second Amendment, but I think that everything, you know, you, we talk about the Constitution as a living, breathing document. Uh, that evolves over time, um, but I don't know that it contemplated what we're dealing with today. Um, so you talk about red flag laws, um, you know, there needs to be um, something in place so that if there's somebody who has a mental health issue that you know there's a mental health history, that um, you should be able to go and petition the court and talk to the court and say, hey, this is what's going on, this is the evidence that we have. And so for a period of time, this person, need, there needs to be a cooling out period where they should not be able to purchase firearms. And, um, and it goes back to, again, background checks and, and just having um, a cooling off period when you, you know, uh, apply to purchase a gun and actually being able to walk out of the store with one. I think those are reasonable um, 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 constraints. They're reasonable constraints. And so we do have things on the books that allow that. I mean, and, and, um, but, but the key is, again, you know, having, you know, people in place who can fully understand how those processes work uh, and understanding it's not a lifetime ban. Um, it's for a period of time, and so you have medical professionals that can be a part of those conversations. The probate courts are part of the courts are part of those conversations as well. Mm -hmm. So that um, if if a person is seen as a danger, then there, there should be a piece of time when uh, when they should be there should be um, preempted or at least not allowed to purchase a firearm. Again, I'm a believer that those things need to be in place. Um, we can only enforce as solicitors, as prosecutors, the laws that are on the books. And so again, it, it comes back to again. Um, it needs to be important enough uh, on the agendas of, of folks who are making those laws to put them in place so that we can protect people. It was an important conversation about a topic that affects all of us. And I'm not trying to scare you or worry you, but we've seen mass shootings happen everywhere that life happens. And yes, while the likelihood of you being involved in one is still incredibly rare, mass shootings and gun violence is on the rise. This is an important issue that we'll be following when lawmakers return to Columbia in January. And you can watch that entire program and more on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. We always appreciate you guys listening to the pod and we would love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or a voicemail at 803-563-7169. Talk to us about gun violence. Talk to us about reforms that you would like to see or concerns you have about gun reforms. We would love to hear from you. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and a brief message on the topic about gun reforms. 803-563-7169. Stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And also, don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina.